Welcome to episode six of Big Shanks Radio. I'm your host, Luke Kelly, and this is the podcast where we speak to the who's who of barbecue. Season one of the show is proudly brought to you by Smoky Q Rubs and Saucers and Clean Heat Charcoal and Briquettes. In today's episode, we are speaking to the guy known in barbecue circles as Ongi, or David Ong for short. He lives and breathes barbecue and is the man behind Pitmaster University, as well as being a certified KCBS judge and organiser. So let's get into today's show. David, welcome to the show. Thank you, Luke. Greatly appreciate it. Thanks for taking the time to be here and have a chat to us. I do appreciate you giving up your time. An easy one to start with, so while I think it's going to be, well, maybe it's not going to be that easy for you, what do you reckon the best thing you've ever barbecued is? Oh, it'd have to be brisket, mate. Uh, uh, there's not one, any particular one that I can pick out but on multiple occasions, but Usually it's it's one of those things. I'm not much of a competition guy, but I uh, love having friends around and sharing the love of barbecue with people. So um, there's a couple that I've cooked up uh, at the one of the jagged meetups that have been one of the one of my favourite ones. Um, and people have gone, you know, that's the the best thing I've ever tasted. Quite often it's probably not the best brisket I've ever cooked. Um, but yeah, I can't pick any one particular occasion. I'd say. Uh, one of Troy's ones is probably one of the best ones. I've got one from uh, The Secret Butcher, but I've also um, had a couple of rippers from um, uh, Results with Wagyu, and I'm a big fan of Wagyu as far as brisket goes. It seems to have a, a natural, buttery, smoky flavour on its own, and it doesn't need much help to, uh, to have it come out good. And I think the thing is with brisket is it's such a challenge. You never quite know how it's going to turn out, so... Easy to know why that's, uh, well, that's one of the best things to barbecue. Yeah, look, it can be a bit of a gamble. Once once you've got brisket sus, though, um, it, people tend to overthink it. It is it's not actually that hard. You've just got to let the 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 the, the meat and the smoke um, do the talking and let let the fire and the temperature and time do all the hard work. Barbecue is supposed to be relaxing, so um, brisket. I mean, they did it back in the. Uh, the days of slavery when there was no thermometers, no gadgets, anything like that, no flash smokers. So if they can do it, um, and us with all the technology, we can definitely do it. Yeah, I think um, when you get into barbecue originally, like when you you know first start getting into the low and slow kind of cooking style, it is quite stressful, yeah. but then the more you master it, the more it actually then becomes relaxing again, I think. Yeah, I, I think perhaps that's something that adds to the addictiveness of barbecue as well. So, um, you know, it's like it's like when you meet a girl for the first time. You know, you get all the jitters, you get all uh, excited, and the heart flutters, and it's it's almost a bit like gambling as well. You know, you don't know until two, three hours after the the, the brisket's been pulled out of the smoker um, as to whether it's been any good or not. And it's, it's the same, I suppose, with uh, um, with a lot of other things where you get excited about. I think aside from the, 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 the smell of smoke and, and, and uh, flesh cooking is, as being addictive, I think the, the whole process of it and, and the challenge of it can be quite addictive and alluring as well. You know, people see it as a bit of a challenge. It's not as you know, easy as cooking a steak for two minutes either side. 
Um, and yeah, and the, the end results speak for themselves, I suppose. And, and it's one of those things that's really nice to do, um, whether it's just by yourself having a few beers in your backyard, but also being able to share that with family, friends and, and, and others as well. Absolutely. I think I'm going to quote you on that. Barbecuing is like meeting a girl for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, I think the problem with barbecue as well is there's lots of innuendo, so um, it just doesn't stop there. And, and uh, yeah, I know, it's like rubbing your meat, and also, uh, probably not the best sort of uh, conversation for a podcast, so I'll probably stop that there. But barbecue is one of those things, you know, it's... Uh, it can be a blokey thing, but it's great to see women getting into it as well, you know. It's, it's, um, some of the best cooks in the world are, are women barbecuers, you know, and, and it's, um, I, I've, I've, I've tried and failed to get um, my partner Kaz into it, um, but, it's, uh, you know, I, I, I love seeing how, how women take it on and sometimes, or more, quite often, uh, outdo the boys on, in the comp barbecue, but also in uh, just backyard circles as well. Absolutely, I know that we have the smoking uh, Sheila's here who do some some great barbecue in the comps, and obviously Jess is yep. representing uh, women all over the world in barbecue um, with what she's doing. And, yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm with you. My wife uh, has hasn't really got bitten by the barbecue bug, but she but she still loves eating it. So that that's a, a win win for that's me. Good. That's, that's so a win. About, that's a win. Yeah, that's exactly. not so yeah. and and she ate all the crap stuff that I cooked uh, at the start when I first got into it and it was <laughs> oversmoked and she was like yeah this is really good and I think that she looks back now going mm, not so sure about that yeah Kaz too yeah Kaz has <laughs> been through all that as well <laughs> so um, you talked about it becoming uh, pretty addictive like maybe take us back to the start of uh, when when it became addictive for you well. Look, I mean, I started many moons ago uh, back with uh, my old man, Weber. Uh, that was probably my first. Uh, I mean, he, he quite often cooked satay and things like that. There was a lot of Asian, because he's from Singapore, a lot of Asian-inspired barbecue. Um, and, I mean, I got into it back then initially, but then uh, it, it probably was, oh, geez, it would have been another 20, 15, 20 years later. You know, everyone sort of had a Weber in the 80s, and it was, it never, I mean, it caught on for a few people and, every, you know, you'd go around everyone's house and there'd be a pork roast and it had that pinky shoe to it, you know, of, of, a, of a smoke ring from people cooking it with smoke. Um, but that sort of died off and everyone went back to the convenience of, of gas. And so I, I was the same, you know, the Weber probably was one of the first Webers that went out on the curb from our place. Um, uh, there, there's actually a story behind that, but I'll leave that for another time because it's quite long. But then... Uh, you know, after that, it was, uh, you know, I started seeing man versus food and, and people experimenting with smoke on TV. And then I thought, oh, you know, back in the day, we weren't really so much smoking. It was more so just using some, some heat beads and, and roasting stuff. And then um, I actually went down to Bunnings and I saw they had these things that were called smoke in a can. It was basically some wood chips in a, in a can, like a, a, a cat food tin. And it had this tiny little hole in the top, and you peeled the sticker on top, off, off the top of it, and you put it on the grill, and you let it heat up, and it had smoked. So you had mesquite, you had hickory, you had all these different flavours. And so I'd just experiment with that, with just cooking steaks on the barbecue, because I'd seen them do it, you know, mesquite-flavoured steaks at hog's breath, and the same with hickory this, hickory that. So I thought I'd give that a go. And then it wasn't long after that that I bought a smoker box and was running some wood chips. I'd pour 
all sorts of things under those wood chips, wine, tequila, <laughs> uh, vodka, oh, just to, you know, just to experiment as you, as you do. And then that, um, yeah, that became, that soon became an addiction. And it wasn't long after that that my mum saw, um, saw how addicted I was to it. And she offered to chip in to buy me a smoker for my birth, uh, for, for Christmas. And, uh, yeah, I, we were looking at offsets, but, uh, yeah, I ended up in the Camado. Now, Mum said she wasn't going to um, uh, chip in quite that much money, but so I, I put, up, put up the rest of the bill. And, uh, yeah, the, the rest is history. And that was only, geez, it was only four or five years ago that I, that I got the Camado, Joe, so it hasn't been that long. So four or five years ago, you started really, I guess, with the Camado. Uh, take us through yep. the acquisitions of barbecue that you've uh, that you've made over time. Oh my goodness! Now this is probably <laughs> going to be quite distressing for any 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 partners that perhaps uh, uh, life goals for some of the guys out there. I've got I've counted the other day. There's 17 barbecues that I have. So that's a, uh, that's a nice yeah. round number, you know. You, you <laughs> know everyone needs a good 17 I'm, barbecues I'm, in the backyard. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think we're actually looking at a, a new property so I can fit them rather than get rid of <laughs> barbecues because they're like my children. Uh, we're actually looking at, at getting a bigger property to, to accommodate them. So, but I think I'm going to have to move some on at some point in time because it's uh, I, I can't quite pay attention to all of them as much as I'd like as as, as it would happen if I had 17 kids. So you started with the Kamado, and then where did, where did you move yes. to from there? Uh, Kamado, uh, soon after that, I went to a, a Yoda offset. I've got a Yoda a, a Yoda load of Wichita. Uh, I think actually, actually it's quite a common transition. Um, you'll see a lot of people go from offsets to Kamados because they go from something that's uh, high-intensity um, level of uh, 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 connection and... and um, uh, uh, interaction with the barbecue where you're putting a log on every half hour to an hour to something like a Kamado where you don't have to touch it for 24 hours. And I quite often see there's a transition between people. You've got the people out there that have got your Webers and bullets, uh, but there's, there's a, seems to be a link between Kamados and offsets and offsets and Kamados going the opposite way. So from guys going from something with a high level of interaction to something like a low level interaction and vice versa, just... But it's one of those things, people get addicted. I, I mean, it, there's something about not only the food and, and the process, but the, the, the whole pyromania factor. And I reckon, uh, <laughs> given some past run-ins with me almost burning down houses and lighting bushfires and that, that uh, the pyro, it brings out the pyromaniac and caveman in us as well. But, yeah, so Kamado offset, uh, and then it was uh, a bullet, um, and then some weathers, and then it's... Yeah, it's just, it's really, I'll say blossomed, but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, some might say affliction. And uh, what's, what's been the latest uh, acquisition into the fleet of, uh, of, of barbecues? Uh, funnily enough, a, a pellet smoker. Now, a lot of people poo-poo them in the barbecue world, but I, I just see it as another tool. I'll, I'll quite, people will shoot me for this, but I'll quite often... If it's windy and cold outside, uh, uh, yeah, there's only so much you can enjoy the process of it. Um, and after a lot of barbecuing, I'll quite often 
Uh, once it's wrapped, I'll, I'll finish it off inside. So I just see pellet cookers as being another tool, and, and you can get some excellent um, results of that. And, and it's always about uh, the pit master, not the, not the actual device or cooker or smoker that's being used. And I find that um, in the right hands, you, you know, a, a good pit master can turn out as good or if not better food than someone that's perhaps less qualified on a better smoker. So, uh, you know, there's guys on them like, uh, like Kurt from uh, Fast Lane Barbecue um, and Andy from um, Smoke on Wheels in the US that, um, that are, you know, absolutely, uh, uh, you know, setting the world on fire, so to speak, with, with pellet smokers. So, um, you know, if they can win competitions on them and do so consistently, you know, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm... I'm uh, going to have a play and see what I can do on one myself. Yeah, that guy from Fastlane Barbecue just seems to clean up wherever he goes. <laughs> yeah, he's, he seems to have the formula right right now. Um, oh, man. Um, yeah, he's, he's hot at the moment. Yeah, so it, look, it, it just goes to show that, um, you know, um, uh, and you'll see that with, with uh, other sanctioning bodies as well. So there's some consistent winners from time to time there, so it shows you that the system's the systems work and then once you've got the formula right that these guys are hard to beat you know absolutely so the pellet cooker what sort of brand did you invest in there uh it's actually a, a relatively unknown one uh, a louisiana grill i'd love to get a yoda pellet someday someday uh, but this is my little stepping stone towards it yeah it's not commonly known it's called an lg 900 uh and it's uh yeah i'm looking forward forward to using it see uh see what i can do with it but uh yeah she's i've got a uh, whole bunch of pellets to use and uh yeah i think i'm going to fire up for the first time this weekend she's been sitting on a pallet for the past couple of months because i haven't had time to attend to her but i'll put her together this weekend and fire her up yeah i think you're right i think uh it's the horses for courses attitude and and sometimes um and, and probably the link between the the commandos as well is that you, you kind of you're really into barbecue, but you don't always have the time to sit out there and do the half an hour log every every weekend. So, you know, when it's good weather and you you know you're walking around the backyard and doing things, then by all means you've got the opportunity to to fire up that offset. And I and I love doing that. I have an offset as well. Um, but you know, it's yep. not always not always the case that you have that ability. And sometimes it would be awesome just to be able to put the pellet on and and uh, you know basically set and forget, but really get good quality food coming out the other end as well. Yeah, look, I think you've hit the nail on the head, Luke. Whatever fits in the people's lifestyles. I mean, barbecue, like your choice in, in cars or girlfriends even, for example, is, it's very personal, you know, and not everyone's got the time to, you know, take their V out for a Sunday drive and, and shine the, you know, give it a good polish and shine, you know. Some people just want to come home and, after a hard day's work and, and flick a switch and, and be able to eat some, some smoky melt-in-your-mouth goodness. And, and, you know, uh, an offset's not generally, uh, you know, so, so good to that. So, but a, a pellet smoker or a tomato might be or a, a cheap Weber. So, you know, whatever gets people barbecuing and, and gets them their barbecue fix is cool with me, you know. Uh, I, I'm one of those guys not to, just, you know, uh, discriminate between what barbecues, whatever, whatever works to the person, you know, is, is, uh, is good. Absolutely. As long as you're into barbecue, it's all good. Amen. Oh, 
I'm going to take a quick break here to tell you about my sponsor, Smoky Q Rubs and Sauces. Smoky Q are a proudly WA-based company whose spice rubs are all made right here in Perth. Their rubs feature Lake Deborah Natural Lake Salt, which is a 5 million year old deposit situated in the remote regions of WA. The rubs are gluten and MSG free and contain no artificial ingredients or preservatives. I've been using their Fistball rub, which features Frio's own Geisha Fistball coffee, and the Q has been tasty as. Check out smokeyq.com.au, that's S-M-O-K-E-Y-Q.com.au, and use code word BIG, that's B-I-G, for 15% off your first order. Trust me, you won't be disappointed. Now let's get back to today's guest. Woo! Now, you talked a little bit about your dad earlier and kind of, you know, like obviously he had some influence on the early days in, in barbecuing and, and barbecuing is kind of pretty big in the Asian culture. Like, have yeah. you just taught yourself along the way or like have you had any mentors or any, any particular people that you've kind of looked to for advice? Well, my dad dad was always an inspiration with, with what he did, you know, so... Uh, I, it was like when I used to go fishing as a kid, you know, you'd, quite often I'd be happy just playing in the stand when I started off with as, as a kid, but then you, you, you sort of, you get into it a bit and then you want to have a play, you see dad doing it long enough and then you want to have a crack yourself, you know, so, um, that, and that's, that's what I've done, you know, I've followed in his footsteps and uh, mum and dad are both, uh, avid cooks, so, uh, I, you know, I followed in their footsteps, and at, at one stage in life, uh, mum went from uh, being a stay-at-home mum to being a full-time, uh, uh, you know, employee of an organisation. So I was, I would come home from school, and I'd be used to, you know, eating whatever she'd have served up for me straight from school. And you know, it was a bit of a contrast to coming home, and she wasn't there, and there was nothing there. So I was left to my own devices, and I'd actually start making these milkshakes that I'd call experiments and I'd just basically chuck everything in them. But it soon progressed from that to playing, to playing with the old man's Weber in the backyard and, and he, he's been a great inspiration like that. But mum also as well, so I sort of try to combine um, the two, you know, and, uh, uh, and try to get creative with it, you know, because barbecue doesn't have to be, you know, the, the, the fall-off-the-bone ribs or the briskets, it, you know, it, it, it's different for everyone, just like smokers as well as being extremely personal. Um, I love all the different cultural influences of barbecue as well. Yeah, I saw that barbecue movie uh, not that long ago, and that, I think that's a, a great little insight there into how you know, different cultures barbecue around the world, and it's not all just uh, you know, the four meats um, from Texas. <laughs> yeah, well, that's right. You know, um, uh, and yeah, that, that was, I've, I've only seen snippets of that, but it's great to see you know, uh, yeah, uh, uh, you know, a little glimpse of what other uh, civilizations have possibly been doing for for thousands of years, you know, and and barbecues like the way that we, you know, the briskets and stuff like that, um, you know, it's an, it's pretty much a novelty to us. It's something that's different, but that's tradition in a lot of places around the world. And uh, look, I'd love to see us come up with our own style and our own traditions. Um, to go along and to accompany the, the uh, you know the snag and the, the shrimp, you know inverted commas on the barbie. You know I, I can I can see ourselves, uh, you know possibly you know starting up our own sort of 
uh, style of barbecue in, in the not-too-distant future. And it's, it's starting to happen already. You know, people putting Vegemite on lamb's shoulders, and lamb's one of those things that, that you know, they, they, it's, it's a, something that's unusual in the U.S. to see, but it's, it's ingrained into the Aussie way of life, and I'd like to see more of that concentrated on be good. Absolutely. I think uh, we have the best of both worlds here in Australia because we, we do get influenced uh, by a lot of our neighbours, but also we have a, a strong culture of our own, which we can mix with yep. um, what, what we see uh, coming out of the US. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I guess you mentioned that you'd kind of got into barbecue in a bigger way four or five years ago. Kind of how have you seen kind yep. of the Perth, the Perth scene grow over, over that time? Oh, it, it's been incredible. It, it, funnily enough, uh, there was a time where, and, and a lot of people wouldn't wouldn't know this, but there was a time there where it was just hard getting the right cuts or the cuts that we'd seen on these shows like Barbecue Pitmasters and Man vs. Food. Like There was a stage where we couldn't get brisket and uh, I managed to get onto uh, 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 Kate Grimm. So I'd seen a lot of the the guys in barbecue circles over east using Cape Rim for, for their distributors for brisket. So I got into a guy and found out uh, through Cape Rim in Tasmania who the distributor was for briskets here. Uh, and then I ended up uh, getting him in wholesale and then uh, setting up an 80-litre angle in the back of my car and taking him around to people around Perth and being, well, like some people call me the bris- brisket smuggler and taking briskets around Perth because it, it was just so hard to find, you know. And there was one time where I caught up with a chap um, uh, just near the Apple store in Hay Street and I it, it looked like, I must have looked like um, some sort of drug dealer or, or one of those guys selling Rolex watches because I had two uh, Black Onyx briskets on me and they, they took us six months to get in from, from Overeast. And I, yeah, wow. and I, here I am with my left hand out showing him this brisket and going through, you know, what, you know, how good it was. And we were just standing in the middle of the Hay Street Mall and it, we must have looked crazy to some people, but that's, that's the way it was with finding brisket back then. It was quite crazy. But now, you know, now even places like your IGAs and sometimes even Coles and Woolies and Audi have got them. So it's come a long way. Um, and, you know, even, even down to the, just finding the wood, we no one knew you could use Jarrah, you know. That was a total experiment. We we saw people using it in wood-fired pizza ovens and thought, oh, hey, maybe that'll go all right in an offset. And it does, you know. It's, it's crazy how we've sort of, uh, yeah, where we've come from. Yeah, absolutely. I can just imagine um, the security camera guys watching you, like in Hay Street and all there, <laughs> and going, these guys, is that a slab of meat that they're <laughs> What's happening there? Yeah, and, and it's one of those things, like I was saying just to, to Troy the other day, that we've gone from, uh, you know, buying a steak or two at the butcher to sometimes I'll leave, you know, just for personal use with 10, 20 kilos of meat. Um, uh, you know, it's it's the, the landscape's changed totally for, from my point of view. And, uh, you know, and, and it's crazy, you know, I, from going from maybe cooking for the 10 friends and family um, to, to cooking for 40 people. It's a barbecue, and this is why I say to people, when you're buying your first barbecue, it sounds weird, but I always say buy the biggest one you can get because 
you can always fit less into something that's larger, but you can't fit more into something that's smaller. And barbecue's crazy. You get addictive. Your friends and family get addicted, and all of a sudden you've gone from cooking just for just for your small family at home to cooking for for masses of people. And you see that with guys on on some of the pages we're on. You know, they'll go from cooking just for you know four or five people in their immediate family to doing these massive events. And um, yeah, it's just it's crazy how how it uh, yeah it, it it ends up that way. Absolutely. I, I mean, I. I think uh, I mean I've been up to Troy's as well, and I, I don't think there'd be too many people leaving Troy's with less than ten kilos of meat um, in their bags. <laughs> yeah, and the worst thing is I'll always organise an order, and I'll go get my bag or my boxer out the back. But it's like being a kid at the at the supermarket checkout and seeing all those lollies on display. I'm forever picking up something else, and then I'll go and go, oh, I'll have this, and then you go, okay, and I'll have this, and maybe some smoked honey as well. Oh, hang on, I need this as well. And, uh, yeah, the missus comes, I, I come home with the missus, and I've got one one bill, and then the other bill shows. I thought, I thought we'd agree to get this. I was like, sorry, it just happens, you know? <laughs> yeah, I was talking to my wife the other day, I think, I'm like, Sam, I think we need a bigger freezer. Because I don't want to be going up there all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm looking at cool rooms now. How crazy is that? You know? <laughs> uh, yeah. Before it was all my fridges were full, filled with beer, and I've got, uh, I think I've got in total five fridges in my house, and that used to be pretty much dedicated to beer. Um, that that has the beers moved into keg fridges now, and now I've got meat that fills those fridges. So, uh, yeah, and freezers as well. It's crazy. So um, that's the Perth scene. Like, I guess you've seen a parallel uh, with the rest of Australia as well? Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, I mean, the, the East Coast has probably had... Uh, uh, it's been a lot more readily accessible for them, but now, you know, we're, we've caught up and, you know... There's a, a thriving barbecue culture um, on all sides of Australia, you know. But it's, you know, even the Northern Territory has been a little bit slow to to, to catch on. Just same thing; they've had to start from scratch and basically uh, find all these sources for the cuts of meat that that, that are going to do um, uh, the technique justice. But now there's there's barbecue joints popping up, you know, in in Tasmania. There's safe places in. In, in the Northern Territory now, like Smoky Jays, but, you know, competition's starting to pop up in these states as well, you know. So it's, it's all come a very long way. I, I mean, and, and, and you know, so, someone like Kurt, you know, as well, as far as competitions go, he's in the, he's just outside the top 100 out of 2,000 teams on the, the worldwide leaderboard. So uh, we, we're coming a long way, and it it's really seems to be going places. Um, so yeah, hopefully this uh, the momentum keeps up and we keep growing. Exactly. Now you mentioned competitions there. Um, what's your experience been like in in competing yourself? Oh, I, I'm. I, everyone will know that I'm anti being in competitions because I see those guys. It's like running a marathon, and at the end of it, um, they have to serve this food to judges that may or may not like their, like their food, and will judge it accordingly so I personally think um, and have a great and deep respect for these guys but I wouldn't put myself through that myself or try to avoid it as much as possible I prefer to to be involved with the running of events where I can go home at the end of the day or night and not have to necessarily uh, 
go through all of it. But there's a there's a great uh, camaraderie down there between the guys and teams. But there's also in WA especially there's there's a, uh, usually a charity edge to these barbecue competitions. And so originally I didn't want to be involved with barbecue competitions at all. I'm, I'm more about the the backyard and sharing with friends and family and doing dinners and things like that. Um, but uh, uh, Stefan, who's, who's the um, the brains and the the, the genius behind uh, uh, smoking charity barbecue competitions, approached me one time and he said, "Look, we're doing this for charity. This, that, the other. Would you like to get involved?" And up until then, there was no real motivation for me to get involved in competition. Um, but uh, yeah, the the charity I I probably had been one of those blokes that maybe only donated to you know um, the the Salvation Army every now and again or to uh, you know a telethon once a year I might put twenty fifty bucks in but now uh, being involved with all the charity barbecue competitions and 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 doing something not only for barbecue but for people that are less fortunate has really inspired me and I, I love being involved with uh, all the organisation of competitions and, and so these guys can, can, can be on stage and really, uh, um, and really push the limits uh, of excellence in barbecue. So I, I really love doing the competitions now and I've, I've only competed um, uh, myself personally a, a couple of times in the USA um, uh, and one of them was more of a drinking competition than real competition anyway. So uh, I, I prefer to leave that to the professionals. I, you know, everyone's got their role in barbecue, and I see uh, my role in barbecue being in, in you know, uh, teaching people and, and, uh, uh, and, and running barbecue competitions, being a promoter or an organiser or a representative. Um, but, you know, everyone, everyone plays a role from volunteers, judges, Helpers, teams, um, organise the lot, and it's great to see um, there be such a great community with barbecue. That's uh, 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 you know, it's one of those things that where there's barbecue family, and it, it's 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 people look at it strangely and think we're weirdos, you know. But there is a real barbecue family where there's blokes out there that will happily, um, you know, uh, share all their secrets and give their own shirt off their back. So you've got one. Uh, and it's something that's that's uh, con- contrasted in the what's happening in much of the world nowadays. So it's something that's great to be able to hopefully preserve and and uh, even grow. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I um, you know I've got Stefan coming on the show in a couple of weeks' time, and I love the the fact that we have a, a charity aspect to the competition stuff here in here in Perth. And um, you know, like at the first competition I went to, I was doing an apprenticeship with Boyd from Sangroper. And uh, one of the yep. teams had um, had some problems with one of the, I think their their pork ribs, and um, they were yep. a little had a little bit of a green tinge. And Boyd was like, "Here, no worries, yep. I've got two spare racks. Here you go." And I was like, "That's for me, you know. Like it's it's great that we're all competing against each other, but it really kind of to me solidifies kind of that family kind of connection and why you know kind of helping each other out." And, and wanting to be everyone yep. on the on the same playing field. Yeah, look, I agree. It's not like a, a an Eagles versus Dockers or a North of the River versus South of the River rivalry with barbecue. I mean, I'm sure that's there as well. But it's we're all on the same team, and 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 essentially we're all working 
uh, towards sharing the love of barbecue with as many people as possible. I'm going to take a quick break here to tell you about my sponsor, Clean Heat Barbecue. Clean Heat Barbecue Lumpwood Charcoal and Briquettes are manufactured in KwaZulu-Natal, South Africa, using a sustainable, renewable hardwood invader species called the Mapani Bush. The Mapani Bush is found in some of the remotest regions of Namibia, and removing it assists in the regeneration of short grasses, which benefits the roaming native animals such as rhinos, zebras and springboks. Clean Heat also employs around 500 people in these communities, which cut down the Mapani Bushes, offering job opportunities that otherwise wouldn't exist. I've used Clean Heat for my last few cooks and it's one of the cleanest burning fuels I've ever used and it just seems to last and last. It's available all around Australia and if your local barbecue supplier or butcher doesn't stock it, ask them to get it in. You won't be disappointed. Clean Heat Barbecue. Fuel your passion. Now, let's get back to today's show. Woo! Now, you said you, you've competed a few times overseas. I did see that you were over there earlier yep. this year and uh, had, an, yep. uh, I think, an equal first place call-up, was it? Uh, take us through uh, that yeah. competition and what that was like and how you came to be, I think it was a pretty big team from memory. Talk to us about that. Yeah, look, I, initially I got involved a couple of years ago with a team called Two Source to Pork, and basically the, to enter Memphis in May is quite an expensive exercise. Like These guys can spend tens of thousands of dollars just to get entered into the competition. So a lot of these teams will subsidise spots uh, uh, as honorary pitmasters or apprentice pitmasters on their team so that they can afford to do the competition. So I basically paid a fee and then I joined the team. And they were really... This is one of the things that sort of... uh, uh, impressed upon me, the, the barbecue family. They said, look, we're a no-secrets team. Anything you want to learn, we're here to teach you. And that's where I went. And But we turned up, and uh, the first day we turned up, there was all our jobs assigned for, for, for coming together to get this team organised. But we got arrived a day late, um, and basically they said, oh, I said, uh, what's there for us to do? And they said, look, everyone's quite happy in the positions they're in. Um, uh yeah, just relax. And I said, what else, what else is, you know, what is there to do that we can help? He said, no, no, you guys are right. And then, then uh, I said, well, so what's there to do? And they go, well, look, there's uh, two kegs of beer over there and there's a slushy machine, just help yourself. And that was pretty much my first competition. Um, and although I learned a lot from those guys and, and helped here and there, um, I, I really didn't compete. But um, but our team did did relatively well. You know, we've, we've, we've won... Uh, oh, sorry, placed second in the Kingsford Tour of Champions, and they've they've won uh, come second in Chicken, and they've won it before as well. So, um, it's quite a big event. But this year we went down there, and and they asked me about two weeks before the event, uh, sorry, a month before the event, if I cook something for them. And I said, look, that's a great honour. Um, what's involved? What's the rules? Um, you know, what would you like me to do? And basically said they gave me the option of cooking the exotic or seafood category, and I said, look. I'll look into it, but uh, no promises. We'll see what happens. And then two weeks before the competition, they messaged me to say, oh, so what are you going to cook? And I went, look, I haven't even said yes then, but <laughs> uh, look, I'll, I'll, I'll look into it. Um, you know, send, I haven't had a chance to have a look at the rules or what's involved, and I asked a few questions, and I said, look, um, un, unbeknownst to what, what exactly was going to be involved or what I was letting myself in for, I said, yeah, no worries. So... Um, we got to the U.S., and before I got to the U.S., I was trying to organise uh, uh, fish because I decided I cooked fish. And now I had 
I'd basically seen the guys from Ribracks Barbecue, um, uh, Justin, Jason and Liam, do really well with a fish dish that was taken from a black cod miso from, uh, from Nobu. So uh, I'd seen that and then I tasted it once again at the Harry Sue course and then I remember recall Jason Linto saying to me how well it performed as far as uh, sitting in a box for an extended period of time and, and the guys at Two Source to Pork impressed upon me that there was uh, 250, 300 teams at uh, Memphis in May. So the box may quite possibly be sitting there for 25 minutes or more. So uh, it clicked in my head that this was what I was going to do. But So I got in contact with some guys from uh, fishing places to see where I could get these fish, and no one knew where to get it. Um, but it, was, it goes by a different name in the US. Now, uh, quite often they'll use sable fish for the black cod miso at Nobu, but um, uh, uh, I, the one they've done at Harry's... The, um, sorry, is that the one that... I mean, I went to Harry as well. Is that the same as the Patagonian toothfish, or is this totally different fish? No, no so the, the, the black cod is basically a sable fish, and it's available from North American waters, whereas Patagonian uh. toothfish fish is known as Chilean sea bass, and so, uh, so I, I had, I eventually found someone, the Seattle Fish Company, that was gonna, that had both of them, and I, I was trying to decide between which one, and I, I tasted the Patagonian toothfish twice, and the only other time I tasted the the black cod or the sable fish was at Nobu. So, look, I, I thought, look, I'm gonna give the Patagonia toothfish a go. But they made me buy 10 pounds at $25 US per pound because um, that was the only way I was going to be in. So I basically bought one of those six-pack eskies that you get from um, the local Woolies, but I got it from Walmart. Um, I filled it. It was as much fish as it could fit in there with some ice packs and then gave a rest to my friend over there in Kansas. And then I travelled from Kansas to Memphis with this fish in tow um, <laughs> and then had to buy all the Asian ingredients uh, as well to go with it, and that was hard. Just finding the miso paste and and um, uh, and the mirror and and the sake and things like that. And then two hours before the event, I decided I'd do a test run. Now I'd never cooked this fish before, nor with this recipe. And two hours before I was actually due to turn <laughs> in um, <laughs> the, the fish, I cooked it in our hotel room and stunk out the hotel room for the next four days. And then an hour before the comp, I found out who I was going to be teamed up with to, to, to be a mentor with and to cook this with. And so we gave it another test run an hour before we had to turn in. And then one final go for the, for the actual competition. And then um, uh, uh, usually you're supposed to finish it off with a bit of a blowtorch, as you would have seen at Harry Sue's uh, class. And so I had already put it in the box and I forgot to, to actually... Uh, uh, to, 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 to char it and to caramelise it with the blowtorch. So I put it in the box and I started to blowtorch it and the, the, the boxes over there are all styrofoam and they said, watch out for the box. And as, just as they said that, I put two holes in the boxes. So if you actually look at the photo of the entry, <laughs> there was two massive holes in it and we covered it up with garnish. So um, that can be seen as marking the box. So we were lucky to get through. But, yeah, it was it was... A real surprise, we were at the awards ceremony and then um, it got to the second call-out and then I heard them say two, as in two sauce to pork, and I knew it was us. And, you know, look, I mean, I, I would have been... I was honoured just to compete in the competition to be asked to cook. 
Uh, we would, would have been happy to have finished uh, halfway through the field. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we ended up with a second overall, but I, I found out a couple of days later, I wasn't quite sure what was going on. So I went and had a look at the scores on the leaderboard, and then I saw there was a, basically four scores that were the same, and ours was one of those scores right at the top of the leaderboard. So I put on one of the Australian barbecue forums said, look, I'm not sure of the, the scoring system over there because it's different from KCBS and ABA. And then I said, look, I'm not sure what's going on. And one of the guys from our team who's on that page, he knows, he goes, dude, he goes, man, that that's a perfect score. And I went, what? And he goes, yeah, man, that's a perfect score. And then they, they basically decide who's going to be the winner because you can't do a cook-off again via a coin toss. And so that's how we came second. So essentially, we drew for first place um, um, with some of the best barbecue teams in the world. And uh, but yeah, it, 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 the end result is decided by a coin toss. So um, yeah, I mean, I never thought in my wildest dreams that <laughs> I'd even be asked to cook at one of these comps, let alone compete and 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 feature in the placing. So yeah, it's an extreme honour, and I'm extremely humbled by it. Sounds like a pretty awesome experience. I know. I know from tasting that, that fish. I'm not really a seafood person, but man, that that is a a, a sweet uh, tasting fish. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, and great, mate. Properly, yeah. it's amazing. Yeah, I think it's one of those things, and fishes can be risky. You know, for people, my, my partner doesn't like it. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things that that flavour that you get off it, and I I thoroughly. Uh, uh, encourage people to go and taste it in Nobu to taste what it's like from from the source. You know, uh, it, it's just one of those. Even for people that don't like fish, it's one of those incredible experiences that everyone should should at least try once. Couldn't agree more. So you mentioned there um, KCBS and, and ABA. Obviously, um, you're a KCBS judge, and uh, I think is it a contest organizer? Is that the contest representative? I, yeah, con- is that the, the contest representative? Trial? Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, yeah. So basically, I, I I got into judging via the the Yaks uh, Barbecue Festival events, and then um, uh, yeah, it wasn't long after that there was a couple of messages come through saying that you know that uh, that they were looking for for contest representatives. It's something that's uh, unusual because in the US. Uh, it's people putting their hand up to be representatives and there's a, a long line of people to get it. But in Australia, because it's so new, um, and KCBS is quite a, a new organisation in the Australian barbecue landscape, that, uh, yeah, they were looking for people. So I, I went over to the US and um, uh, and it worked out perfectly because Stefan was always keen to have the smoking comps be KCBS sanctioned and that was one of his big dreams. So I'm... I'm I, uh, I messaged uh, the KCBS um, after having some people say and suggested that I should, and then um, yeah, I, they uh, they put me in touch with the the founder of KCBS, Carolyn Wells, and then uh, we sat down and had a meeting one day, and then um, it probably wasn't until about three months after that that I said, oh yeah, look, I, I would be interested in in pursuing this. Uh, and the rest is history. I've gone and done some training with a gentleman named Garth Welsh, who's the first KCBS rep in Australia. And he had the international outreach team from the US come out that ran the Yaks competition. Um, people like Jim Johnson, Becky Johnson, Debbie Gage, Debbie and Bill Gage, Wayne and Maria Lohman. And they've uh, they've taken us and Garth 
uh, myself and Garth under their wing and taught them how to run the competition. So, um, yeah, now we're, we're, we've, we've probably uh, uh, started off quite slowly with, uh, you know, one competition in the first year with a KCBS sanctioned comp, two competitions the next year, and then it slowed on from there. But we're looking to hopefully have a few more, and now we've reached the stage where there's going to be not only uh, Australian teams featuring on an international leaderboard, but there's going to be a team of the year for Australia, hopefully in 2019, with uh, many more um, uh, competitions and events planned. Sounds pretty exciting. I guess um, for those who, you know, the listeners out there who may not be aware, you know, why do you see the the main differences are between KCBS and the ABA, and I guess why why should events be a KCBS event and not an ABA event? In your look, opinion, I, I look. I think they're they're both great organisations in what they do for the the barbecue family as far as uh, competitive uh, 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 competitions go. Uh, the 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 systems are actually very similar. Uh, so it, it's not really, and we try to put it as it's not an us versus them thing. It's just, you know, we're, we're both supposed to be uh, on the same team, uh, both promoting uh, excellence in barbecue. So whatever competition people go to, the teams are generally the same. The systems are fairly similar, um, you know. So I, it's it's not really a, a thing of what anyone is better. They're, they're both great systems. Um, and, and they're both all about the integrity of, of, of finding out uh, who or what team is, is best representative of excellence in barbecue, you know. So essentially, you know, uh, ABA and KCBS and the Memphis and May organisation and, and smoking and all these other uh, bodies that are, are sanctioning bodies are, are all about uh, promotion of, of barbecue um, and, and excellence in barbecue. So I don't think there's any any real major differences between the two. Um, um, and yeah, all essentially provide a framework for, for for people to compete in a fair and equitable and transparent manner. Um, and and each organisation is good at doing that. And would it be fair to say there's, uh, for an event promoter, um, a difference in working um, with KCBS representatives like yourself versus um, the ABA? Uh, no, I, I think it would be quite similar. Uh, uh, you know, there's uh, sometimes costs come down for a promoter, you know. Um, it de- depends on the situation, you know, uh, uh, you know uh, and, and what, what is required of us from the promoter. But we, we like to keep a, a distinction between... Um, uh, what we do and what the actual event is. So KCBS is, is extremely focused on just being there to, to ensure that the judging and the teams get a fair go. So uh, we're not involved with any promotion of events at all, so we stay back from that um, as to uh, appear and to be uh, uh, and to maintain a focus on, on, on just being there purely for... for for guaranteeing that the, the competition is uh, uh, is a fair and uh, uh, equitable event that's, that's uh, uh, yeah maximise uh, basically the team's uh, fairness of being able to compete on a level playing field. And I think at the end of the day, uh, the teams that are competing, I know I'm competing 
uh, later this year in my first um, competition when we go out to Chidlow. But I think when you're yep. competing as a team, and I've done the judging course as well with, with you, um, yep. but I think when you're competing as a team and, and you're kind of spending anywhere from, I don't know, say 500 to $1,000 on, on getting there and entry fees and meat, you really want to know yep. that the integrity of that judging system you know, cannot be compromised. Absolutely. And so we, we have, for every competition, KCBS has two representatives and each person has to check each other's work. Um, we'll also provide the scores immediately after competition. Um, so there's, uh, we, we try to, and the scores are actually uploaded to um, the international website uh, immediately after the competition is done. So uh, we try to make it as transparent. And, and like you said, teams put a lot of money, and it's not just the event. There's, I mean, there's probably a thousand five hundred dollars to thousand dollars, like you said, on meat, but. Uh, there's also all the other stuff that's, that's involved in it, you know, um, and, and all the competition practice that goes into it prior. So these teams, these teams invest a lot of time and money into the, these contests, and so they want to know that that, uh, that the, the judges are trained well enough to be able to to know when something's good and know when something's not so good, and to be able to judge that to a standard. And KCBS goes to a lot of trouble of doing a four-hour course where you actually get to eat barbecue, where we'll go through and we'll, we'll critique the meats. Uh, uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's one of those things, you know, we always say judge what you like and people have very personal tastes, uh, but we like to give them a structure and a standard. And as you've seen with the course that they're supposed to be able to judge towards, and KCBS is extremely uh, proud and confident of the way that they go about doing that to give the teams the best best opportunity of having um, a fair, consistent and equitable judging. Yeah, I think for anyone who wants to get into competition barbecue, I couldn't recommend doing a judges course more more because I think you really get an understanding of, of, of how it gets judged. But then also, yep. um, I mean, I was talking to Tristan Chambers the other day and I was saying that, you know, like you get an understanding of how... Um, much food a judge consumes and therefore why that yep. one bite kind of thing becomes so important and, and having a you know a flavor profile that is going to stand out amongst kind of um, you know six six different kind of submissions um, is yep. really important so um, now you kind yeah. of talked a little bit a bit earlier about your love of kind of teaching people about barbecue um, yep. now in the last little while you've started Pitmaster University yeah so talk to us about look, why we, you started that well I, I, incredibly uh, uh, it sounds weird but I'd, I'd been offering to teach people barbecue for free for the past few years but what would happen is I'd, I'd throw on a brisket and say look do you want to come and learn brisket and then all these people would say yeah 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 I'm coming no worries I'm coming and then uh I'd, it'd be four o'clock in the afternoon. The briskets are already in the in the esky. It's it's only me, my partner, and my dad that's there. We're not going to eat a six kilo brisket. And then I'm wondering where is everyone? And then the doorbell would ring, and people would have all their beers, and they'd basically be coming just for the feed. You know, they weren't <laughs> they weren't so much interested in in learning how to cook it. They were more interested in the in the feed and the piss up. So it was. 
for some reason it dawned on me, you know, uh, you know, people kept on asking, you should, you should teach a class, you should teach a class, and so uh, I just said, okay, no worries, you know, and but this time I'll, I'll charge for it, you know, um, and so it actually came about by we were, we were going to do a fundraiser for um, the the guys from Jagged won a competition to go over the Houston Rodeo. Um, and and basically, as a fundraiser, I was going to run a class as a fundraiser, and that's how the first class came about, where I was actually charging. Uh, and so, yeah, it was. I think it was we charged two hundred fifty bucks a head, and then uh, 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 the majority of proceeds went to the guys to sponsor the Jagged guys who joined up with the uh, Gorilla Warfare guys, the Liquid Pigs guys, and also Sandgropers to be able to go over and compete in the US. And so that's originally how I got into it, um, was just by, by chance. And then after that first one, which was uh, in 40-degree heat, um, uh, yeah, I just got a taste for it. I was nervous as hell to start off with, and I think most of the guys that are up front, um, I'm not well, up until then, wasn't terribly good with pu- public speaking. So, uh, you know, I, I, my, my uh, yeah, we were quite nervous and... Uh, um, but ever since then, you know, it's 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 sort of blossomed. I've done a whole bunch of my guru courses, which I have at my house, um, and we put some kegs on. And but we've we've branched that off into Pitmaster University. Initially, I was going to have it be separate, where we're doing a lot of uh, great bang for your buck courses that are sort of around the hundred dollar mark. But um, yeah, but we're, we're we're big. Me and Jason from uh, Molly's Barbecue Smokehouse are big on sharing the love of barbecue and, and making it affordable for everyone. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's really taken off. We've, we've gone from um, um, doing those one class every three months to one or two classes a month, and, and people seem to be enjoying it. So, uh, you know, we love what we do, and I've always said if, if barbecue ever becomes work and I don't feel like getting up to, to, to teach people one day that I'll, I'm going to throw it all in, um, but at the moment, I wake up with a you know a, a, a hop and a, a fervor in my step, and I I jump at it and I love doing it. It's something I really really enjoy doing. So it's a full time gig for you now. Uh, no, I, I it's it's sort of something that we do. Um, Jason's got a, a a stainless steel welding business, and he makes smokers on the side. I'm in the automotive trade, and this is just something that we do for fun. Um, you know, we we don't don't want to get too serious. And anyone that knows Jason and myself, um, we're probably some of the most laid back, relaxed barbecuers out there. Um, and that's the way we like to 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 get across to people that you know it's one of those things that we ask for you to to share with the family. But it's something that's supposed to be relaxing. And you know, we try to show people how easy it can be and and how to do it and how to make it more relaxing. But not only that to turn out some cracking results for, for family and friends. And um, the support's been pretty amazing. Like, I see that a number of courses sell out pretty quickly. Yeah, the, the one the other day, I, we, we've just been amazed. I I uh, had my computer sitting on the bench, and then all of a sudden um, uh, the computer started beeping at me for emails coming through, and I went, and I was I was on the phone to someone else, and I heard this beeping, and it was this constant beeping, and I was like, "Geez, who's emailing me that amount of emails? It must be some invoices that someone want me to pay or something for for my other business." And so I went and checked the email list, and it was 
uh, I didn't forgot that the tickets had gone on sale at midday, and then um, by 12.06, uh, uh, someone had messaged to say that there was no more tickets available. Um, so in six, in six minutes, essentially, they sold out, but what actually happened is someone was in the process of still signing up for that last ticket, and I'm not sure exactly what happened, but perhaps they were after two tickets, and there was only one left. So, um, And then someone mentioned on the page, I said, look, I'll... There's, there's one ticket left, I'll close off the bookings and we'll add you to it. And so, yeah, uh, it ended up being 10 minutes that we sold out um, the whole course. So, uh, yeah, we just, uh, we don't know how or why, but, um, yeah, it's, we're just, we're just uh, honoured and, and humbled that, that people would, uh, you know, uh, think so highly of, of what we do, you know, um, from guys that are just basically doing something for fun on the side that... Um, you know, to share the love of the barbecue and promote barbecue. I think it's just good to see that there's, uh, I mean, a community need out there and and people are interested in, in kind of learning a bit more about the art and craft of, of barbecue. I guess what's the, yeah. maybe the one thing that you've enjoyed most about starting uh, Pitmaster University? Oh, look, it's, it's just, it's just the, the barbecue family aspect of it and, and sharing the love of barbecue. You know, I, Mate, if I could go back to doing classes for free, I would. You know, this is... Uh, I, 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 I try to put as much of what we make from, from uh, proceeds from Pitmaster University back in a charity. So I guess uh, the, there's the sharing the love of side of things with people. I hate that we have to charge for it, but people don't turn up unless we do. Um, but uh, in essence, that we're not only using what we do from barbecue to, to in other barbecue initiatives, so we'll sponsor barbecue competitions and facilitate competitions and the running of competitions with what we earn from it, um, but also uh, uh, with training other people. But a lot of that goes into charity as well. And I'm proud to say that since March and joining up with uh, Smokin' and Mondo Community Warriors, that since March we've donated $2,000 from Pitmaster University to, to Mondo Community Warriors, who are, uh, are basically big supporters of Lifeline um, charity. So uh, I think aside from it being something that where we're doing something uh, great with sharing and teaching people how to barbecue, that we... I get a real kick out of doing things, something for the greater community and for charity as well. Congratulations on that number. I mean, that's that's really amazing. Um, Thank you. And you should be you should be really proud of that. Um, before we kind of wrap things up, uh, I want to uh, get you onto our quick fire favorite five, which is yep. uh, a little segment where uh, it's just a quick answer. Um, yep. So I'll take it away. Your favorite butcher? Oh, I have to be Uncle Troy. Uh, Uncle Which Troy, hands down. Uh, yeah, well, actually, funnily enough, uh, Troy, uh, we gave Troy a really hard time when he first got into barbecue because he, he didn't quite have the right cuts of meat um, for what we were looking for. But hats off to Troy. He he took all the criticism and initially uh, we weren't mates because he probably thought I was a bit of a prick for how hard uh, I was on him. Um, but, yeah, I... In in time we've become good mates, and uh, so it's yeah it's uh, I I travel from the other side of the river, you know it takes me uh, half an hour to get to see Troy um, and go past a few butchers on the way, but 
But, uh, yeah, he'd be my favourite butcher. But there's also, you know, you've got RJ and Baldivis. There's Ian at Melville. There's Mondo's that I, I had a, and still have a great relationship with where um, I got a lot of my, my first briskets from them as well, and they've been great. Um, you know, you've got Ray down in Warmba. There's uh, uh, Mike at Clayton's. There's a lot of guys that are great. Um, I, I suggest just supporting your local, but also go explore and, and go see these other guys to see what they've got because, uh, yeah, it, it, it's, it's yeah, like a kid in a candy shop. Yeah, we're certainly lucky with, with the choice of butchers that we have uh, local to us for sure. So your favourite yeah. cut of meat to barbecue? Oh, brisket. And funnily enough, you say, uh, like, I, the only beef I used to like before was steak and I used to hate roast beef. Um, but now I'm a, I'm a biscuit, brisket and beef rib fan. I, I, I enjoy the challenge of cooking it and the suspense of, of not knowing on whether it's going to come out good um, after you've spent potentially 14 hours cooking it. Um, so brisket would have to be my favourite cut. Well, brisket definitely is next level compared to a beef roast, that's for sure. Your favourite barbecue yeah. cooker? Oh, it, it'd be... Oh, this is a tough one. If I only had one, it'd be either a Commando Joe or a Cabinet. But in, I, I really do think my favourite isn't the one I use the most. It's actually the one I use the least. So it's a bit of a, uh, a love-hate relationship would have to be my Yoda offset. I absolutely love that thing, but it's the one I use least because it, it's, it re- it's almost like going on a holiday. You know, it, 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 it is a, a, uh, you have to spend 12 to 14 hours with it to get the best out of it. You can cook a brisket in five or six hours and still get a great result, but uh, there is something about a man uh, sitting in front of a, a log fire and throwing on logs, something primal about it, something caveman about it, something that really is ingrained into my instinct that I love doing. And um, although if I only had one, it'd probably be something that I'd have to spend less time managing. My favourite one is the Yoda offset by, by a long set. And your favourite drink to barbecue with? Oh, uh, it's, it's, that's, that's changed a lot over time as well. Uh, it's been dark beers. It started off being a Newcastle brown, but I love my stouts. I love my big beers. Uh, just to, to match the, uh, the, the richness of barbecue. Uh, uh, there's all, then I've moved to my, 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 my whiskies. I love uh, Jameson uh, and Dry, and I'll, I'll quite often pair those two together. Uh, I've moved on a gin recently, thanks to some members of the barbecue page and also gin fans of Australia. They've gotten me in a gin, and I've I've taken to that perhaps as as readily as I have the other ones. With uh, you know, pre- previously my my fridge was full of beer, and then it was full of whiskey, and now um, yeah, now it's full of tonic to go with my gin. So uh, I'd have to say gin at the moment. Strangely enough. All right. And last one, your favourite barbecue accessory. Oh, I, I, that, well, this one's a tough one. That I reckon the, the only thing you really need to barbecue with is a skewer. You don't actually need all the thermometers and that. But uh, my barbecue guru and my smart fire allow me to get sleep at night. So when I'm running a course and I want to cook a brisket overnight and I have to be fresh for, for, for the, the students, I, I love being able to go to sleep and know that I can wake up and my brisket's going to be okay. Sounds like a good accessory to have. So, um, in wrapping things up, what's next for uh, for David Ong and, and Barbecue? Oh, look, I, 
I'm really enjoying running these competitions and the classes. I think it's just going to be more of the same, you know. Um, uh, we've got some big things planned for 2019. Um, I don't know if I can possibly fit any more barbecue into my calendar than I already do without risking um, <laughs> losing losing my, my partner and kids. So, uh, But, yeah, I think more of the same is appropriate. And where do you think barbecue is going to be in, say, three to five years' time? Well, I, I, from reports, I heard that barbecue has gone 30 to 40% each and every year consecutively. So, um, look, I'd love to see uh, more people, you know, teaching barbecue, more people sharing barbecue, more people having events. But, I, look, I'd love to see more charity events arise from it as well. Um, um, more events are already coming, like we've got the Chidlow Tavern event coming up in September. There's going to be another smoking event in November. So um, just more barbecue in general is good for me. I just love seeing it glow and, grow and blossom. Um, but uh, it, at the end of the day, I want to see it happen with, uh, you know, uh, uh, I would love to see it happen with a community-based uh, uh, um spirit behind it and, and barbecue family but you know if, if people can donate some of their time um, if not money to, to, to charity events that would be great too and, uh, and you've obviously had a few supporters along your journey probably starting uh, with, with your wife uh, yep. any shout outs you want to give or thank yous to people who have supported you along the way oh look I, I think there's too many to list but you know all the butchers you know uh Troy Mondo's, uh, Ian at Melville Heights, you know, uh, RJ at, at Baldivis, Ray at Warmer, all those guys, you know, uh, Jason from Molly's um, Barbecue Smokehouse, Stephen Carter, uh, Ian McGiven and Jason Linto have been driving barbecue uh, fantastically in, 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 in WA. There's also guys like Gus, Gus Gallagher that are doing great great job, Gus Face, um, uh LV, who's got Cuisine Co, he's running the classes as well. And all the restaurants that have stuck their neck out on the line, you know, some aren't doing so well, some aren't have closed, you know. But, you know, it takes a lot of balls to, to you know, put your house and put your family and, and all that in jeopardy for just to, to get barbecue to the masses. And I, I take my hat off to all these guys um, that, that go and do that, that, that uh, take the risk and and follow their dreams and do something that they love. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you know, like the community is built on, on, on those types of people that you've mentioned. So, um, And lastly, where can people follow your barbecue journey if they want to get in contact with you? Oh, look, the best way is uh, Barbecue Club of Australia Facebook group. That's, uh, even though the name says Australia, we're, we're uh, a Western Australia only page uh, uh, either there or you can find us on uh, Pitmaster University Facebook page. Uh, one or the other, uh, I'm, uh, Facebook is uh, much to my, my partner's uh, uh, dislike is uh, <laughs> I'm connected to my phone for business reasons and also for barbecue reasons. So, um, yeah, you'll find us on Facebook um, more readily than anywhere else. Cool. Well, David, I really want to thank you for your time. Uh, it's been a you know really fascinating chat and, and, and hearing about about what you've been up to in barbecue and I thank you for your for the time and all the best with the uh, with the future for Pitmaster U. That brings to an end our chat with David Ong. 
I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Big Shanks Radio and the chat with Ongi. If you liked it, please head over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to the show and leave us a review. You can follow my barbecue journey on Instagram and Facebook at Big Shanks Barbecue and check out our website at bigshanksbarbecue.com.au and sign up to keep up to date with all the latest. Thanks again to our sponsors, Smoky Q, Rubs and Sauces, and Clean Heat Charcoal and Briquettes. And we look forward to barbecuing again with you soon on the next episode of Big Shanks Radio. Woo!